also recognize, just as it has been in the United States for Jamaica, one of the issues that has been presented as an issue that is economic in the way of its impact has been the pandemic. So to that end, we are announcing today also that we will assist Jamaica in COVID recovery um, by assisting in terms of the recovery efforts in Jamaica that have been essential to, I believe, what is necessary to strengthen not only uh, the, the, the issue of public health, but also the economy. A haircut though. Let's see here. Ooh. Only got a haircut. Oh yeah, look at you. Oh my goodness. Like school picture day. Look yeah, at you. Yeah, yeah. No, it feels great. The first time you take a shower again, I'm like, oh, this is freedom. This is what freedom feels like. It's true, yeah. When you get it away <sighs> from your ears, ooh. Yeah, feels great. Uh anyway, well, uh gentlemen, uh Chapo here, Thursday, March thirty first. Gotta say, it's been a long road. It's been a long road but we finally made it. And by that, I mean Morbius is coming out tomorrow. Thank God. Yeah. We Morbius. can all enjoy oh, Morbius. Morb. I, feel, I feel like, you know, the country's been holding its breath since Morbius was announced up yeah. until, you know, now. Because it's like, we've had the rug pulled a bunch of times uh, by the pandemic, by wars, by everything. Morbius has been delayed. The premiere was delayed. And even though people told me it was coming out today... I didn't really believe it until I saw it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It just seems impossible that we could have anything in, in freaking 2022. Anything is as uh, good as a Morbius premiere actually happening. Did you guys know that um, I actually heard that there has been a truce all over Ukraine so everyone can watch Morbius? Everyone is watching Morbius on Pirate Bay. Yeah, it's like, it's like it's the Christmas like, truce. Christmas Day. Christmas yeah. Day in the trenches. Yeah. Yep. Everyone's watching. He, he's the living vampire. He's a, he's a living vampire. And, you know, like, he, he, he's going to take down the bat. That's all I know. He's absolutely taking down the bat. Goodbye. Goodbye, Batman. I don't see how Batman survives against Morbius. Because it's like, what, what's Batman's main advantage on, you know, crooks? It's that he's a bat. He has yeah. the powers of a bat. And mm-hmm. that he can come from the dark and do all the things that a bat does. Well, what happens when a guy is more of a bat than him? Yeah. Mo- Morbius mm-hmm. not only has the powers of a bat, he's friends with several actual bats. Yeah. He's got no chance. Yeah. And you know, like, I just think it's good that we have, we got we got, a, got, a, got, a, got a blockbuster franchise in Morbius. I mean, this is only Morbius one. There's going to be plenty more Morbs to come. Uh, it's going to be more, it's year after year. We're going from Morb to Morb here. Um, but I think it's just good that, you know, Hollywood has a new franchise that doesn't depend on some actor that's like problematic or canceled, you know, and Jared Leto yeah. is just a good, a good solid guy who's never done anything wrong, never will do anything wrong, never been canceled, never will be canceled. It's Morb. He's here to stay folks. Yep. He's here to stay. He's going to, he's like Robert Downey Jr. He's gold plated certified. We're going to have him for years to come morbing it up. Morbing it out. You know what? Like, you take how twisted Morbius himself is, and it's actually the inverse to how Jared Leto is in real life. Yeah. And the, that, that, that makes him able to play Morbius for probably the next 50 years. Right. And that's what's that honestly speaks to what a great actor he is, that he's able to somehow conjure this dark, twisted, uh, living vampire out of, the you know, a life that is so thoroughgoingly wholesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I just got to say, for the first time since... 
Yeah, probably like end of February 2020. I feel like everything's back to normal and we actually have something to look forward to again. Yep. It's been a long winter. Yep. But we, beat, we beat COVID. Uh, we're, we're now rewarded for all of our sacrifices by now entering into uh, the Morbius era. Yeah. I don't know what we'll talk about because it's like this is this is like the end of history. Yeah. I mean, what, what's what, what's good news for Morbius is bad news for Chapo Trap House. It's true. But, you know, just respect to Jared and the uh, hundreds of young women who congregate around him to just, you know, uh, imbibe, imbibe the lessons of Morbius, the living vampire. Uh, they're doing great. He's doing great. Um, but, you know, we let's. There's still some juice to ring out. I mean, Morbius, it, it hasn't come out yet. This is our, yeah, there's our still, society it's hasn't been take some time. It's going to take a it's little take a time. a little bit of time for Morbius to, to flow through the culture and, we've and got to marinate. complete the shift that we're all feeling. The vibe we've shift, got, as it were. We've got to marinate on Morbius. We've got to marinate yeah. on Morbius. But before, I mean, look, we've got to give society a chance to catch up to that. But before, we, before, before we're fully morbed out, um, there's, still, there's still a few pressing matters to uh, discuss in our current uh, political cultural sphere. Um, let's begin today talking about cocaine orgies in the House of Representatives, starring Woo! our good friend Hell on Wheels himself, Madison Cawthorn. <laughs> Madison, he uh, he did a he did a no he did a no no and a no growth, and that was um, basically Madison Cawthorn fucked up because he started talking about all the decadent drug fueled sex parties of the Republicans. And that's a no, no. You only, you only do yeah, that. about that's, that. Only, that's, that's only for Hollywood and the Democrats. Republicans yes. don't do that stuff. So when Never. you go on a podcast mouthing off about how people do cocaine in front of you and invite you to orgies, you're going to get some get back. And, you know, House uh, Majority, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, he, uh, he, uh, he whacked him down pretty hard. He whacked him down pretty hard. And he said, Madison doesn't even know what cocaine is, which I thought was a really funny way of uh diffusing this situation uh madison did know what a key bump was though uh, he doesn't know what cocaine yeah. is but he said people do key bumps in front of him now i i don't know like i have my own theories about what's going on here maybe maybe you guys can fill in fill in the gaps here but like i think this is an example of madison was engaging and he was team cap on this one he wanted to sound cool on a podcast and he wanted to tell cool stories but in capping i think he accidentally revealed too much truth about what actually goes on in dc yeah, because it's 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 hard for me to imagine people in D.C. like d doing things that are fun and cool. But the thing is, they, they feel entitled to it because they are they, 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 they like to think of themselves as masters of the universe. So they get like a, a low rent version of what people in Hollywood and Wall Street do. They, they, they need they need a little bit of that decadence for themselves. And I don't think anyone invited Madison Cawthorn to any orgies because, you know, let's no. be honest. What the fuck is he going to do? Just watch. <laughs> get top <laughs> i mean i do think i mean i do think he's a cokehead but uh i, I like so let, let me just see this is a, this is chris saliza writing in cnn there's really only one question these days for north carolina representative madison cawthorn who as in who are the people that allegedly invited the republican congressman to orgies in washington and who are the people he allegedly witnessed doing cocaine Cawthorn's allegations resulted in House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and House Minority Whip Steve Scalise calling him into a meeting Wednesday. I'm very disappointed. I told him he's lost my trust, McCarthy said after the meeting, according to CNN's Melanie Zanora. He's lost my trust. He's going to have to earn it back. What I think is funny about that is that none of the shit that Madison Cawthorn said leading up to this uh, did one dinged McCarthy's trust in him one iota. But uh, no, it's 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 the cocaine orgy thing that's landed him in hot water 
I saw that people are like supporting a primary challenger against him over this. Yeah. Like he really stepped in it. This is like the one thing you can't do is talk about like the gross leathery sex parties with like a 70 to one male to female ratio that these guys are assuredly <laughs> doing. Um, it's not an it's, Eiffel Tower. It would be like um, it, it would be like a convention center. I guess this is the best you could <laughs> the describe that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and no, it actually, uh, the, the other guy, the, hilariously, uh, the, the other, the other political figure coming to Cawthorn's defense and saying that he didn't walk back, uh, his statement about cocaine orgies was Roger Stone, the guy who's probably been arranging these cocaine orgies for God knows how long. I mean, yeah, Roger I mean, Stone's like, been, been finding guy, been, been finding ex-cops and military guys off Craigslist to fuck his wife for like 30 years now. I have to say for Kevin McCarthy, if you didn't want people to think that this was real you, you you wouldn't go through the trouble of like threatening his committee assignments and making everyone see that you made him cry when you spoke with him okay that was insane like you saw a picture yeah. of him just like rolling out of the meeting his face looked totally different it was a yeah. clone they cloned yeah. him yeah, he's, they, he's like, they took uh, him in there they, they gave him the Shigur bolt gun to the eyebrow and then they put in one of the clone that they had already there there, there's a clone for all of these guys yeah. underneath the Capitol. And as soon as one of them fucks up, they just they fucking take him out and they pop this out there. And then they they just roll. He had the goo still on him. He was fresh. with Yes. Goo. He had the amniotic fluid still on him. And it looked like he was crying. But no, that was just the vat he came out. Yeah. of. Um, but yeah, we're going on. He here, muzzled here. with the primal forces of nature, Mr. Cawthorn. Uh, McCarthy also said that when pressed, Cawthorn basically admitted he either exaggerated or made up the allegations. He did not tell the truth. That's unacceptable, said McCarthy. Cawthorn has still still has not commented publicly on the remarks he made in an interview with the Warrior Poet Society podcast recently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in case you missed, yeah, because he like made that shit up just to make those guys think he yeah, was cool. <laughs> yeah, the Warrior Poet Society. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think he was trying to sound cool to the. I mean, come on, a warrior and a poet. Those are the two coolest things you can be. <laughs> That's, and like honestly, both, that's, that's like uh, both things that Jet Li is in Hero. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why these guys, this, the like the the elected wedge of the, you know, ultra right that's trying to, uh, you know, uh, take over the party will always be losers and will never succeed because at the end of the day, they are deeply beholden to what fucking podcasters think of them. And as we can tell you, that is not a recipe for electoral political success. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at the look at the lefty equivalent of those. Nowhere now. I'm going to say, in case you missed what Cawthorn originally said, here it is. He goes, the sexual perversion that goes on in Washington, being kind of a young guy in Washington where the average age is probably 60 or 70, you look at all these people, a lot of them that I've looked up to through my life, I've always paid attention to politics. Then all of a sudden you get invited uh, we're your, uh, we're going to have a sexual get together at one of our homes. You should come. <laughs> a sexual get together. <laughs> we're gonna have a. We're gonna have, have a, a very sexual get together. We're gonna have a sexual style brunch at uh, my house in Georgetown. Madison, we'd love it if you attended. Uh, he goes here. Uh, we're going to have a sexual get together at one of our homes. You should come. What did you just ask me to come to? And then you realize they're asking you to come to an orgy. Some of the people leading on, leading on the movement to try to remove addiction in our country, and then you watch them do a key bump of cocaine right in front of you, and it's like, this is wild. 
<laughs> uh, which is actually, it- uh, Madison, if they're doing key bumps, it shows that they are aware of the problem of addiction and they're and they're they're being moderate in their in their imbibing. Yeah. You should you should yeah. you should applaud them for it. Do we like who do we think who do, who do we think was hosting the sexual get together and who do we think like was doing coke in front of him? Because he did it. We think that there's like some element of cap here, right? Obviously. Yeah. But again, the McCarthy reaction is such that you know there's something there. Oh yeah. No, like I I think they're probably like don't they're probably like they they had a meeting when he was elected and they were like don't invite this blabbermouth to any of our cocaine. Yeah. Meetings. And then he just capped about it and he accidentally revealed the truth about what they get up to. And I think the guys leading these orgies are probably Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise. Well, Steve Scalise has got to remove his shit bag before he, you know, takes <laughs> well, any I mean, fun. He can still do cocaine, but uh, allegedly according it to some through a catheter. Uh, according to some rumors, we would not have the necessary equipment for the orgy. He could possibly go around eating everyone's pussy. Who knows? <laughs> that is what I've heard. Uh, but the thing though is like I mean I, I know I know the right the like the 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 right wing in this country like they they have a reputation as being you know like uh, prudes and fucking you know they not not liking to party but I mean these guys are all fucking demons I mean they they yeah. love to party they love drugs they love fucking orgies they love doing like gay shit they love doing uh, it's a group grope Bob you know like <laughs> madison who is that your finger up my asshole yeah like what they don't believe in anything so what the no, hell are they yeah. there for no no like it's like they have money and power and with money yeah. and power comes the freedom to um engage in things that you punish other people for absolutely it's like the, the, the righteous man has to project uh a, a a as long as you advertise a virtuous style of life to the peons that you're you're fleecing every day that is what gives you permission to engage in all of the sick and decadent activities you accuse other people of doing. Uh, just continuing with Saliza here, uh, he says, this is a very big allegation to make without naming any names. I love Saliza's just like, he doesn't care about the allegation. He's like, just give me the names. <laughs> give me their phone number. I want to be able to rank uh, the fuck styles of uh, Washington's biggest perverts. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being in an orgy and seeing like Chuck Grassley there? <laughs> oh my god Ima- imagine imagine like you you go to like a big what's that capital grill you go to capital grill you eat like 37 ounces of porterhouse uh some guys are passing you a vial you do a few bumps of like 58 percent purity cocaine in the bathroom you're feeling terrible and then they're like oh but there's a second act and you go upstairs to like so one of those hotel suites that has like a living room and everything, and Clay Higgins pops out of a birthday cake. <laughs> Come and get it, boys! <laughs> I'm ringing. He ringing the oh. dinner bell with his old dangus. And we gonna make a we gonna make a big old rule in my asshole tonight. <laughs> those are probably the best orgies of all time because ninety eight percent of the participants ate four pounds of beef before. Yeah. <laughs> None of them have uh, shit in at least a month. Uh, he goes, Chris Eliza says, that's not just my opinion either. Here's North Carolina Republican Senator Tom, Tom Tillis on Cawthorne's claims. I thought about the statement. If it's true, then he's got a lot of information to reveal. If it's not true, then he's guilty of being untruthful. And here's North <laughs> Carolina's other Republican Senator, Richard Burr, when asked about Cawthorne's job performance. That's for his constituents to figure out, but clearly he's been an embarrassment at times. Burr and Tillis were far from alone in expressing concerns. 
Zanona also noted that House Republicans complained about Cawthorn's remarks during a closed-door session on Tuesday. GOP lawmakers said his comments were upsetting and harmful and complained they were now receiving questions from constituents about it. They also said if his comments are true, then he needs to name names because otherwise it unfairly maligns the entire institution. Where are these All parties? I need to know. <laughs> yes, I have not been getting invited. This fucking sucks. This seems so like Tillis and Burr, um, they've been at odds with the the more Trump wing, the, the wing that Cawthorn more represents. And this does seem like the revenge of the empire right here. They really got him because mo- most of the time, like, yeah, the right of the Republican Party, the insurgent right, the Trump side, they're mostly losers outside of Trump. They can't uh, they can't command the same bag of potatoes, Louis Napoleon's bag of potatoes that Trump can. Yeah. Uh, no one fears them in the same way, but they're staying put for now. But this seems like the first thing that one of them has done that has genuinely angered Republican leadership. Yeah, like they can go to the Nazi rallies all they want. Who cares? Yeah. But you get, getting <laughs> getting grandmas in my district calling me and wanting to know, uh, you know, if I'm doing poppers uh, with Mo Brooks. <laughs> That's too uh, far. Uh, to recap, uh, Cawthorn was charged earlier this month for driving with a revoked driver's license for the second time in five years. Boy, this guy loves driving cars. God, and he's so good at it, too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he goes, uh, he recently was recorded on video calling Ukrainian President Zelensky a thug and the Ukrainian government incredibly evil. And last year, CNN reported on allegations of sexual misconduct women made against Cawthorn stemming from his time in college. Cawthorn has denied any wrongdoing. And remember, Cawthorn has been in Congress less than two years. Tillis put it best when asked about Cawthorn's allegations of orgies and cocaine use. I thought it was a silly statement, and it's not the first one. But, you know, when you know what Roger Stone has come to his defense, which is like, if you've got Stone in your corner, then, you know, you're getting you're getting an invite to an orgy. <laughs> Stone is going to be pushing his wheelchair in and out of his wife. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, uh, Roger, slow down. I can't take it. Shut up, Madison. <laughs> he's putting the brakes uh, on his wheelchair. <laughs> Get him to stop. <laughs> Oh man, like you know that picture of him coming out of the the meeting yeah. was something else though. That was like he, he was, was definitely crying. <laughs> what a fucking pussy! I can't believe. I mean, like, are these Trump guys for real or not? You know, because like, why he could have just made up some names of of guys he doesn't like in the GOP. No one cares. Well, yeah, no. I mean, he's also stupid. He could have said Richard Burr, and the Trump people already hate Burr, and Burr already had that insider trading thing going against him. Yeah, these but guys. They're just, they saw an easy way in. But what that means is, is that they're addicted to that. And when they face any adversity, they just completely fucking collapse. Yeah. They cannot stand the heat of the crowd booing them, which makes it so that they're not Trump. One of the many things that makes them not Trump. Mm -hmm. Do you you think Democrats have cocaine orgies in Washington, D.C.? Or like, are they just not cool enough? They probably used to. But I I don't know. I I think everyone does. I think yeah. everyone, like any, any powerful person does do some gross sex thing and like probably do cocaine all for the same reason, which is not that they like it, but to show people rich they want to bring. They, well, they want to show people who are outside that they want to bring in that they trust them to some extent, which I think is what a lot of this stuff is. Right. Like how they, they right. you, you, like uh, they got somebody wants to buy drugs from you. They got to do it in front of you to prove they're not a cop. Yeah. But 
I, I also, I don't know. This whole story made me think of people I know who have like done orgies and thought that their life had to, a, a part of their life and a part of their identity had to be like doing orgies and shit like that. And it's always either been people with like a deep spiritual yearning, just like, you know, they hit their late 20s or 30s and they're like, ah, oh, there's got to be more than this. Or it's just, it's it's people who think they deserve it, which I think is the case in D.C. They like just Chuck, think they deserve it. Chuck Grassley does deserve it, though. Come on. Yeah, true. He does. He deserves everything. He's at the DQ. For, for you know for what. You know what. <laughs> 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 they're they're having an orgy with a butter cow. They're all just fucking the <laughs> butter cow at the Iowa State Fair. I mean, I think like I definitely think it goes on, and I think like I don't know. I don't want Stenny Hoyer to be doing orgies, but I could see him <laughs> doing it because it's like, oh yeah, I deserve this, and if I let you into this, this shows that like I implicitly trust you, and you're gonna also do all the evil things that like a Democratic yeah, or Republican yeah. or higher up will do. Yeah, like I mean, like don't yeah, don't don't even think about voting for lowering prescription drug prices, or else you know this yeah. shit is going to come out. Hey, you remember um, you remember the DC Madam story and that guy David oh, yeah. Bitter and his diaper fetish? Mm, yeah, how she killed herself like a week before she was going to testify. Yeah, that's true. That did happen. Very yep. interesting. Base. Uh, let's uh, let, let, well, you know, as long as we're talking about like uh, the, the 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 sort of like the old the old style Republican conservatives, and then like the, the new the new Trump uh, young bloods, let's let's talk about what our former president Donald Trump is uh, currently been up to, and uh, that's um hitting a hole in one. He hit he hit a hole in one, and uh, this is a statement by Donald J. Trump, forty fifth president of the United States of America. Many people are asking, so I'll give it to you now. It is a hundred percent true. While playing with the legendary golfer Ernie Els, winner of four majors and approximately 72 other tournaments throughout the world, Gene Sowers, winner of the Senior U.S. Open, Ken Duke, and Mike Goods, both excellent tour players, I made a hole-in-one. It took place at Trump International Golf Club in West Palm Beach, Florida, on the seventh hole, which was playing 181 yards into a slight wind. I, I hit a five iron, which sailed magnificently into a rather strong wind, with approximately five feet of cut, whereupon it bounced twice, and then it went clank into the hole. These great tour players notice it before I did because their eyes are slightly better, but on that one hole only, their swings weren't. Anyway, there's a lot of chatter about it, quite exciting, and people everywhere seem to be asking for the facts. Playing with that, gr that group of wonderful, talented players was a lot of fun. The match was Ernie and me, with no strokes, against Gene, Mike, and Ken. I won't tell you who won because I am a very modest individual, and you will say I was bragging, and I don't like people who brag. So congratulations to Donald Trump on hitting a hole in one. What a, what a, what a, what a, what a victory for him. I'm glad he's still keeping himself entertained. I know it must be tough. He definitely did not do that either, by the way. He's a, a notorious golf chief. He lies all the time. Like, like Kim Jong-il would say that shit all the yeah. time. That he's yeah. hit like 900 holes in one. Kim jo didn't Kim Jong-il said that he played 18 holes of golf and hit a hole in one on every one of them? I mean, yeah. I mean, that, I, who knows, though? Like, you hear that. You also hear that, you know, they he executed his uncle by... Uh, stuffing him with gunpowder you know who knows what the hell is going on up there in north korea i don't i don't know yeah. i mean may, and maybe he's that good of a golfer it would be funny if like both things are true it's like oh he actually like did execute his uncle with an air anti-aircraft gun 
And when people leave North Korea, they cry when they see grain because they've never seen it before. But also, Kim Jong Il hit a hole in one every time he played yep. golf, and he he could slam dunk from half court. Yeah, and it's like, well, I mean, if everything's true, like, kind of leaves us where we were. Yeah, <laughs> it's a mixed <laughs> you bag. Know, you know, it's a mixed bag over there. Then. Like everywhere, you know, nobody's nerfed. Yeah. Uh, speaking of um, uh, North Koreans crying when they see grain. Uh, did you see that fucking nitwit and Applebaum talking about like uh, Russian soldiers? Like uh, she was like, oh, like we're hearing reports that Russian soldiers are like, you know, uh, crying or like they're they're They feel like they've been lied to because of what a nice country Ukraine is like calls to mind, you know, 1945 when, uh, you know, soldiers in the Red Army looked at how prosperous and nice a country Germany was and thought, hey, maybe communism isn't all that great. And then they went crazy and killed everyone and raped everyone. Yeah. So. Ukraine has a GDP per capita one third that of Russia's, or less than one third, actually. That I mean, is, and you know, that is like, talk. Of, everyone's capping, <laughs> and maybe you know, hey, that's that's probably skewered by uh, oligarchs. You know, a couple guys with a, a couple guys with super yachts will, will push that in one direction, but uh, Ukraine is still uh, compared to like even the other countries of uh, Eastern Europe, the other po- post-Soviet republics. It's like half the GDP. It's like it's not it's not know, that great. No, man. yeah, Ukraine, Ukraine Ukraine is a smaller GDP than North Macedonia. Yeah. I do not buy this. I'm sorry. But like to end Applebaum's point about like, oh, this this calls to mind the Red Army in nineteen forty five. Um like to to the extent that they uh you know did um uh, meet out a horrible vengeance against the German people, I think it probably had more to do with the twenty million Russians that were killed during World War II rather than any uh, jealousy they had over the nice shit they had in Berlin. Kill my entire family and make me eat rats. That's one thing. <laughs> but you you have street lights. <laughs> oh, you're dying. Oh, uh, okay. Here, here's another uh, Felix. I know you like this uh, from the international world of war. Uh, did you see the Houthis lit up that fucking oil refinery in Saudi Arabia while the F1 Grand Prix was going on there? Yeah, God. I mean, like, what do you even say? We're in, God, what are, we're in year like seven of this war, right? I don't know how you fuck it up this bad. I mean, if anything, it shows how meaningless air superiority is, especially the longer a conflict goes on. But if you ju- if you look at the funding side by side, you know, I said this is like it's equivalent to you're at a T-ball game and you go up to swing and hit the ball and the bat flies out of your hands and goes in the stand and kills your grandfather. <laughs> and then you, you 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 yell at America for not doing more to hold the T-ball up, I guess. Uh, you know who was actually visiting the Saudi Grand Prix when, when the Houthis lit that shit up? Steve Mnuchin. Oh, really? He's Mr. Worldwide. Mr. Worldwide. Yeah, he's got a lot of... Uh, would it surprise you? Yes, he has quite a lot of business interests in Saudi Arabia. New ones as well, since he, mm. left, uh, since he left the Treasury Department. But yeah, you see, there to see those wonderful cars go fast, go vroom, vroom. And then it was boom, Apparently boom. Apparently, the, they, they the drivers were like, fuck this. Uh, yeah. I don't want to be here. And they yeah, said, they, uh, driving okay, one of these good fucking luck. Cars is, <laughs> driving one of these fucking cars is dangerous enough. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and the Saudis told them, uh, yeah, you know, hey, you don't have to be in the race, I guess, but then good luck leaving the country ever. Yeah, no, yeah, they all, all, all their passports were in a fucking safe somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's fun. It was like, hey, you get, a, you get a tiny little experience of being a migrant worker in the Gulf. It does show the Houthis are learning new tricks every day, though. I mean, they definitely, 
this was definitely planned in advance to humiliate the Saudis in front of everyone. And God, did that work? Yeah, it, it's 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 for all of the you know uh, the downtrodden and uh, and abused peoples of the world, the people who find themselves in the in the crosshairs of uh, of empire and uh, and domination. You probably will never be able to uh, to defeat your enemy and get you know uh, an independent uh, homeland free of intervention and strife. But if you are willing to endure horrifying sacrifice uh thanks to modern drone technology uh you do have the possibility of trolling the fuck out of your enemies that's that's still a possibility for everybody in the world get yourself some drones and you can just troll the shit out of uh out of goliath they've also killed a bunch of saudi generals yeah 2016 about the Saudi counter the the counterattack here is just to make everyone in Yemen miserable to really actually commit a genocide in 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 Yemen through starvation through bombing campaigns but yeah the houthis have um made a lot of saudis pay a very high price and you you could kind of see why it's you know we give them an absurd amount of help we give them an absurd degree of logistic help but you can see why it's sort of the the only thing that would make them pump more oil for Brandon is even more, which I'm, I'm not even sure how much that would do, because, again, it's like short of sending troops, which I don't I, I don't think any American president would do at this point. There's just not no. really an appetite. No. Well, what is more air superiority going to do? This is just going to keep happening. Well, that's just it. Is that they're 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 it's they're not getting what they want and they're. <laughs> They're just having a tantrum. You know, they just they're they're assuming like like our uh, blob members, they're assuming that America can have any outcome it chooses. And Mm -hmm. then if this if an outcome doesn't occur, like the defeat of the Houthis, then it's because of a explicit choice by the United States. And so therefore, the fact that they haven't beaten the Houthis yet means that we have uh, refused to do something that we could. I think we said they're going to make us pay for it. They're going to uh, own we, the shit we, out of us. And Brandon's <laughs> just going to lap it up. Yeah, oh, he's lapping it up. All right. I think we said already, but we would we would sell them the F-35, but we want them to win this war. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, the, the, Sa- the Saudis and the Israelis are not even picking up the phone to Biden right now. And like it, 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 Israel, like, I'm sorry, like they're a country that has not hopped on the condemn Russia bandwagon at all. They are not. Uh, they are. They are standing apart from the United States and the international community in condemning Russia because Felix, as you pointed out, they've got to buy their white people from somewhere. It's like yeah, you know, well, we, we like we need oil from the Saudis. They need white people from Russia, and if, well, if, for, neither yeah. neither of us want those spigots getting turned off. I mean, and for that matter, the Saudis and Emiratis have resi- resisted doing it a lot too. Yeah, it's one of those things that no one really wants to talk about on either side because if you're you know, if you're saying that there's this new, like, great sort of quasi-lefty, non-aligned or axis of resistance, it kind of looks bad when that includes Israel, Saudi Arabia, and the United yeah. Arab Emirates. <laughs> but, you know, if you're also, also if you're on the blob side, it looks horrible because it's like, well, what was the last 70 years for? This is, it, with proxy states like these, you know? These hoes ain't loyal. That's, yeah. It's a lesson that was, are ta- is taught daily. Over and over again. Well, I guess uh, uh, turning back to uh, stateside, 
Uh, what, what do you think of this? Uh, the the DeSantis signing the "Don't Say Gay" bill. What do you think? Of, like this this brewing uh, conflict between the Dis- the Walt Disney Corporation and the government of Florida. Who 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 you, who, who you got in this brewing conflict? I hate I it mean, when my two favorite institutions fight. <laughs> Let them fight. Yeah, <laughs> this would be like a war between Saudi Arabia and Israel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if it comes to if it stays political. I feel like, you know, especially as Florida sort of uh, coalesces into a, into a pretty solid red state uh, that that uh, the Republicans, they have their own, you know, uh, message that resonates with their base those that, who get out to vote and who fund them. They have their own, you know, uh, corporate sponsors. So if it stays political, I think that they uh, they will win. But if it becomes a shooting war, then my money is absolutely on Disney. Yeah, one hundred percent. They've got the fucking. They have the divisions. There's no question. They, they have. They have General Gaston, and the DeSantis. I mean, no, nobody fights like Gaston. <laughs> uh, but like, I mean, I guess like, uh, like the, the 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 don't say gay bill. Um, just like and and like the the focus on like if you've if you've watched Fox News at all over the last like week or so, it's all about how Disney is grooming kids. It's all about this this grooming panic that's going on right now and i think that's the interesting thing that's going on right now is like this uh so there's a point someone made uh that, that i thought was interesting is like that in this like okay groomer thing that people are talking about what they're talking about is just uh disney or educators or anyone acknowledging that gay people or trans people exist like that that's grooming to them and i think the interesting thing that's going on here is the total secularization of anti-gay panic and hysteria because it used to be like it was an exclusively a religious right, thing. Right, yeah. About like gay marriage that was all about, you know, uh, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. You know, but like with, with this, I think like, we, and I, I was astonished by the, the speed at which uh, gay marriage ceased to be a controversial issue in this country after the Supreme Court made it legal. But that hasn't gone away. And they're, they're, they're going to bring it back. But it's going to be under this grooming hysteria. And this idea that, like, you know, uh, like, you know, the Disney Corporation and uh, just it's teachers or whatever are like pedophiles. And but like what's interesting is that, like, it's it's been it's a hatred of sexual minorities that has been successfully cleaved from religious pathology and religious um, uh, fervor and, 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 and motivation. And I think it's interesting because, like, what we see in, like, in, in, in DeSantis and, like, the, the, the Trump conservatives, this kind of the national conservatism, the nationalist conservatism that we've been talking about is, what are they really interested in? They don't, they don't like foreign entanglements, but they want culture war here in America, and they want it in a very literal sense. And what's, the thing that we've talked about on the show a lot of times is that the right wing in this country has basically have, has a veto power over like any every single lever of like the political process despite being a minority in this country and it's not i think what they're like this fixation that they have on the culture right now is that they are not at all satisfied with just being having an outsized influence in the government despite their lack of you know the population or actual democratic consent or power i think they they're really serious about waging this cultural war and changing the culture through legislation or otherwise, like to make it so that Disney movies are just cartoons about white people or that don't have like the gay people just won't exist anymore in, in fucking Disney movies or whatever. Well, I mean, they could, that's what they might want, but like that, 
can't happen. Like, as you said, they have this power over the political process, but they have zero power over uh, the cultural production process. They're but nowhere they're, they're, there. They're they seeking that power it. through through no. They're but like they're seeking that power through legislation and through you know like censorship. Yeah, but they can't get it. And the, and the and the and the political people don't want it. They don't really want it. They want there to be gay shit in Disney. They want something that pisses off their people every time they turn on the television. They want their that that their people to have something that they think they can get out of voting which is something that Democratic voters have basically completely lost and which is a huge asymmetry in, in mobilization power that is going to that massively um, increases the Republican like uh, electoral power relative to the Democrats. Uh, and in the same way that, you know, uh, gerrymandering and, and things like that do, because if you're a Republican and you have this thing, this, uh, this, this, alienated uh multicultural woke culture that is uh being that has to be created by uh by things like disney that 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 uh a company like disney sort of is required to promote you know because it's trying to uh, adapt to a changing demographic which is uh increasingly multicultural and uh multi uh embraces you know uh gender variety and all this shit because that's uh where the people who make up uh companies like disney uh come from that that's what the uh culture is where they are uh and that uh also represents like future dollars they can't go to the the, the stuff that the, these people want uh is in the mind of a company of people at disney uh that's a recipe for uh, uh eventual extinguishment because it's a dying demographic but Politically, it's incredibly powerful. And what makes it powerful is that you can every day feel like your kid is getting brainwashed in school and by their entertainment and that by voting for um, Republicans, they will do things like have them pass the don't say gay bill, which I'm sorry, that's not going to do what the fuck they want it to do. It's not going to make uh, it's not going to do humble Disney or or woke media. It's only going to make them more strident in pursuing uh, uh, an agenda in order to reassure their people that they're not on in, in board. Like, look at what Disney Disney was quietly funding the same politicians who passed yes, this. Yes. Don't, don't take <laughs> yes. a bill. And the, the reason everyone's mad at them now is because they had to come out and explicitly condemn it after it passed. So it is, after it's, they gave all that money to the sides yeah. push each other. It is their polarization is inevitable and it helps both sides. And yeah, I mean, nobody, I be- nobody in any position of power has any actual interest in seeing this actually change. And most of them know it can't. But I, it actually I st- it's it's one of the last things in American politics that is a value proposition to a voter. I w- Everything I st- else. I mean, what, 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 are you, what does a Democrat tell a Democratic voter w- w- when they're trying to justify them getting out of the House on a Tuesday to vote and standing in line? What the fuck can they tell them other than keep these psychos out of office? So once again, them doing this is also a gift to Democrats. I, w- I would slightly disagree with you, like in 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 this regard only. I mean, I think you're right that uh, for the like the political and media actors um, who benefit greatly from the uh, from the from the on- ongoing and increasingly uh, ve- venomous culture war issues, I, I think like the, not, neither side, but particularly the Republican ones, has any real desire in 
ch- changing the culture or seeing things stop. They just want like uh, something they can tell their voters that they're doing. I would say though, the slight difference though is I think like the the, the people who don't really have power, the people who like to imagine themselves as having power, like the sort of the the, the intellectual Trumpists, you know, the Adrian Turd Turdmill, that guy, Christopher Rufio, uh, the, the the guys like that. I think. I think they are not happy with simply having a undemocratic check on the political process that they can wield in perpetuity. I think they they realize that like whatever political victory that they ever are going to achieve, uh, you know, through fraud or uh, or legitimately, um, will taste like ashes if they are still considered weirdos by the culture at large. And I think that they have no problem. Um, you know, using the Supreme Court or state governments to um, to forcibly change and sort of sort of wage a culture comp um, to well, yeah, to make of course, it so that, like, they, so that they, they seem like the normal ones and not the fucking yeah. But the, that if that are. happens, it's not going to be because they've changed national, like passed a national law and like uh, dictated Disney's uh, um, output by force. It'll be because. Uh, n- national structures have broken down and like they're able to put up like a great firewall of Florida so that no, uh, you know, no TikToks about uh, trans people can get in or something like that. I, 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 I really do think that anybody who's like really serious about about resolving the culture war once or not once way or the other, if they're not a complete uh, delusional mutant is not looking for some sort of nationwide uh, revolution. The, the numbers just won't work there. They're looking for uh, a balkanization so that like uh, Florida can be uh, uh, cleansed, but, but you're not going to take over anything at the national level. And I think more, more, more likely is we're just going to keep pushing this fucking boulder up the mountain uh, until, yeah, until the struts break. And then people are just going to, it's going to be the laboratories of democracy in the States. They're going to get nutty with it. Did you see the uh, speaking of balkanization, cultural balkanization? Did you see the uh, the launch of Daily Wire Kids? See, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the actual hand here right now. <laughs> it's they're not going to get Disney to stop putting out filth. Is that there's going to be a conservative alternative to Disney? And then if you're a parent, you can make sure that you, you don't have Disney Plus and you make sure your kid's not watching Disney and you make them watch Daily Wire for kids so that they but can then, be the coolest th- kids in their class. <laughs> <laughs> and then like you know they'll come into school on monday all their friends will be talking about the the mandalorian and morbius and they'll be having to talk about you know uh the the, the michael knowles cartoon i all can't right, wait well, to see the content yeah little dershowitz and friends <laughs> <laughs> uh well uh speaking of uh speaking of show business ho- hollywood or holly weird if you will how about those oscars Whoa. How about those Oscars? Oh boy, movies are back. Movies are back in a big way, and you know it just—it's all due to one to Mister Will Smith. Thank you, sir, for bringing movies back in a big way. Honestly, would, yes, he is the hero. He's the hero. He's not the hero we deserve, but he's the hero that we needed. Just mo- moments and just you know, just closeted excellence. <laughs> nobody nobody wants to defend their wife better than a you know 20 year plus scientology victim i gotta say i'm personally fuming about this because i like you will i'm a long time oscar watcher watched oscars when i was a kid used to put the winners on little uh little note cards take them to school uh this is like the first oscars i've missed i think maybe ever i was flying back 
uh, from the tour and I fucking land and I turn on my phone and I see Will Smith slapped a guy on camera at the fucking Oscars and I missed it. Are, are you team of like, are, do you think that this was real or this was staged? Well, see, I was thinking about this. My first instinctive thought as soon as it happened is like a uh, false flag, 100%. All the, the entire story coming into the Oscars is, is that this, this fucking thing is circling the drain. Nobody cares about it. They were getting ready for the worst ratings ever on top of the worst ratings from last year. Uh, they did all these desperate ploys to try to get people to watch, like cutting categories from the broadcast, like editing, fucking just monstrous profanity, uh, get, bringing in influencers and extreme sports people to do the fucking categories to try to get young, young people interested. Just this daddy, desperate, sweaty desire for some sort of relevance, everyone knowing that the relevance has passed. So when I saw he slapped uh, Chris Rock, I'm like, yes, 100% staged. Thinking about it a little bit more, though, now I think it wasn't staged, but Will Smith would not have done that if he did not feel the vibe. You know what I mean? He was only, only responding to like an unconscious need for movies exactly. to be culturally relevant yeah. again. He he heard the the world spirit and he answered. Like if this has been a, a, a few like pre pandemic, where Oscars are still a thing people care about, and and this happens, he probably you know maybe he says something during his acceptance speech, but he doesn't get out of his chair and smack the guy. But with the vibe, everybody there at that Oscars knew like this this thing that we all love. This thing is is becoming increasingly irrelevant to everyone's life. Uh, it's something that nobody watching really cares about. And, and they're all watching the same broadcast that we are. They know it sucks. They've been to an interest, good Oscars compared to this one. I know. Yes. The Oscars have never been good, but Jesus Christ, it used to be better than this. So he knows they all know they all feel that desperation. So when the, the joke happens and he gets, he gets the rolling pin look from Jada, like the decision tree is different than it would have been a few years ago. And so, he answers the call and he sacrifices himself on the altar of movies. And I think we should all uh, thank him for that. Yeah. No, Mr. Have Smith. You, have you noticed that like celebrities have been acting like less normal since Brandon? Absolutely. I think that like during Trump, there is this uh, thing that went on in their brains where they're like, oh, if I like I need to act normal to like set an example right now. I need to. Uh, but the, the, the flip side of that is. If I act normal, maybe I can be president. Yeah. Because now the the world of possibility has been opened up, and maybe the only thing that can beat a celebrity is another celebrity. But now that uh, Biden's back and everything's back to normal, uh, you it's four years of pent up psycho behavior. Mm-hmm. Yep. Feral files. This is feral files. Feral and, files. And it's not just for airplanes anymore. It's for the fucking yep. Kodak Theater. It's for Hollywood, yep. yeah. California. Everyone's and, getting, everyone's going absolutely buck. And, and also the hysteria, it's, it's, it's like a, it's a hysteria sandwich. It's like a temporal sandwich of mania because it's four years of pent up in hysteria. And then also the fact that everyone knows that Trump's going to win again. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like the knowledge that it's coming Get again it in now. Get and it all in that now. hysteria from that. It's like, you are stuck between these two moments of uh of like uh, four year like uh five alarm his uh siren m time and you've just in st sandwich between them and no way to escape what are you gonna do you got to get it out somewhere and you know like the 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 range i mean like this this cultivated some 
some really good takes, some really, really nauseating and stupid takes, you know, that are sort of uh, defined between two poles. One, uh, that Will Smith should have been arrested on the spot for killing a man, like that he walked up there and just shot him. But you really want to save the Oscars, folks. And then and then the other poll just being like, how dare you judge Will Smith for acting like an absolutely unhinged, insane man on national television for like, you know, like, look, if you were offended by the joke, uh, you know, take it up with Chris, you know, at the after party. But just like immediately snapping, walking on stage and hitting a man, and never. But like uh, to that end, this brings me to the the, the reading series for uh, this episode. This is, uh, of course, uh, Doctor Roxanne Gay writing in the New York Times uh, opinion guest essay. Jada Pinkett Smith shouldn't have to take a joke. Neither should you. <laughs> oh yeah, baby, code yeah. duello for everyone. <laughs> I'm carrying around. I'm carrying around velvet gloves from now on. Yep. Somebody steps in front of me in line at CVS. They're getting. I'm going to demand satisfaction. Yes. Choose your second. It's uh, pistols or rapiers at dawn. <laughs> so uh, Roxanne writes. This is not a defense of Will Smith, who does not need me to defend him. I mean, I think he kind of does. I mean, like, he acted like a complete insane freak. (laughs) He acted like a fucking lunatic and (laughs) assaulted a man on television. So, I mean, if you're looking to defend him, now would be the space, Roxanne. But you're right. No, I guess Roxanne's right. There were a lot of Will Smith defenders out there. So she's certainly not uh, adding her name to that roll call. But uh, she writes, instead, this is a defense of thin skin. It is a defense of boundaries and being human and enforcing one's limits. It is a repudiation of the incessant valorizing of taking a joke, having a sense of humor. It is a rejection of the expectation that we laugh off everything people want to say and do to us. Yeah, what's the al- so the alternative is just throwing <laughs> attacking hands? Attacking people? Yeah, just throwing hands constantly. Yeah, Satisfaction. I demand satisfaction. Uh, I love I it. Feral lot- files have made their way. Justification for the feral mode is now in the New York Times. Yep. Instead, this is a defense of thin skin. It is. Oh, wait, no, sorry. I think about I think a lot about how we are constantly asked to make our skin even thicker. Toughen yourself, we're told, whoever we are, whatever we've been through or are going through. Stop being so brittle and sensitive. Lighten up. I'm not talking about constructive criticism or accountability, but rather the intense scrutiny and unnecessary commentary people have to deal with when they challenge others' expectations one way or another. Who is served by all this thick skin? Those who want to behave with impunity. If the targets of, okay, I mean, it seems like Will Smith was the one behaving with impunity more than Chris Rock does. Chris Rock is a comedian at the Academy Awards, so a little bit of roasting, even if you thought the joke was inappropriate. It's literal violence. <laughs> it's more literal well, than Will literal Smith violence. Will Smith was the one acting with impunity when he, um, you know, attacked someone uh, on stage during a TV broadcast. But, um... If we if we all had the thickest of skins, no one would have to take responsibility for cruelties, big or small. It's an alluring idea to some, I suppose. Thick skin comes up often in the context of comedy. Done well, comedy can offer witty, biting observations about human frailties. It can force us to look in the mirror and get honest with ourselves, to laugh and move forward. Done less well, it leaves its targets feeling raw, exposed and wounded. Not mortally, but wounded. I mean... Like that, 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 that's just comedy. Like, I mean, we, you want to make a joke at someone's expense. You want them feeling good after it. I, I like the idea that like, if it's a good joke, that's okay. But if it's, if, if you, if in any way, like it's, uh, uh, subjectively 
fails some sort of comedy test, then you should be power bombed through a table. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, okay, a good joke forces forces people to take a look in the mirror and take accountability. So, like, if Chris Rock had been expense, wait a minute, at, no uh, accountability. What are you fucking yeah. talking about? What does what does so, jokes have to do with account? What what? I mean, what what? Did, did, did she confuse like a comedy club for a fucking intervention? Like, did she did she think that when uh that that uh Rodney that did she think that like Don Rickles uh busted people's balls so that they would go to therapy? He just wanted Puerto Ricans to stop stealing cars. What's the what's the problem? I think I think everyone would have liked it if Chris Rock had done a worksheet with Will Smith and Jada for three hours. Yeah, I think well, I think that would have been like, good. Like she's just got a fundamental like fundamental category categorical misunderstanding of the concept here. If she thinks that 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 a public joke is is only it has to be contextualized in in concepts like accountability and like implying that there's supposed to be a serious like uh command to like take a moral inventory or of someone or something like it's it's this thing where the collapsing of all all distinctions in interactions that the inter, that fucking internet has caused where now like every every public interaction of any degree of uh, uh of casualness is now fraught with uh every possible you know shade of uh of like moral and and intimate meaning that seems exhausting no wonder she wants to punch everybody well also it's like you know it's just like the uh the 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 way the way in which like uh words are introduced into the culture and then become like like go from referring to a specific thing to these like broad general like gaslighting or problematic where now it's just like Everything is problematic, which means that like nothing is problematic. I, th- right. I saw someone do a post the other day that talked about how Lenny Riefenstahl is problematic. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> fucking, you, could, you could say Chris Rock's joke was problematic. Lenny Riefenstahl was a fucking Nazi, okay? Like, you cannot, you cannot have like acts of great moral evil be weighted on the same scale as like, or like, like physical abuse in a relationship uh, be, be, be like put on the same scale as like, I don't know, lying to your girlfriend or uh, disagreeing with her. Um, but yeah, like the idea that like, uh, yeah, like a comedy is like a 12 step program. It has to make everyone do a searching moral inventory and then acknowledge a higher power. Like in terms of accountability, like, OK, Chris Rock making a joke about Jada Pinkett's uh, Smith's uh, alopecia uh, that there's no accountability there. But if he had made a joke out of the fact that the Church of Scientology has been blackmailing closeted gay men for uh, decades and also um, encourages the use of slapping in um, the auditing process to uh, enforce their version of accountability on uh, men, women, and children, that would be accountability for the Smiths. But something tells me she wouldn't be happy with that joke either. Because, you know, then you'd be attacking someone's faith, and, you know, we can't have that either. So, uh, going on, uh, she writes here, it should go without saying that comedians are free to say what they please. Uh, okay, thanks for that. Uh, just, just the mild threat of violence, um, you know, just undergirding that. But, you know, I understand, like, if a, jo- if a joke is good enough, you should be willing to get punched in the face for it. That's my opinion. I mean, that is true. I mean, does she sit around the house or not? You know, you got to ask yourself. Yeah. Should people take your wife? <laughs> take my wife, please. You know, be politeness. That's important. Um, long live creative license and free speech. But it should be obvious that the targets of jokes and insults have every right to react and respond. There is a strange idea that there is nothing, there is nobility in tolerating or better yet enjoying humor that attacks who you are, what you do or how you look. 
that with free that with free, with with free speech comes the obligation to turn the other cheek, rise above, laugh it all off. We often see this when comedians want to joke about race, sexual assault, gender violence, or other issues that people experiencing them don't find terribly funny. If you can't laugh along, you are humorless. You're thin-skinned. You're a problem. I've stopped aspiring to be thicker-skinned, and I can no longer expect or admire it in others, because sometimes people can't take a joke. In some situations, yes, we're humorless. If our skin gets too thick, we won't feel anything at all, which is the most unreasonable of expectations, and we, don't, we, won't, and we won't know we've been wronged or wounded until it's too late. During the 2022 Oscars telecast, the comedian Chris Rock made a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith's closely shorn hair. Jada, I love you, he said. G.I. Jane, too. Can't wait to see it. The audience, including, including Mr. Mrs. Pinkett Smith's husband, Will Smith, laughed, but she rolled her eyes and her face fell. Her thick skin cracked. You probably know what happened moments later. Mr. Smith walked onto the Oscar stage, slapped Mr. Rock, returned to his seat, and shouted that Mr. Rock should keep her name out of his mouth, including an obscenity for good measure. The laughs became titters, became stunned silence. It wasn't clear if this was a bit or a real life, and then it was all crystal clear. What we were experiencing was, not, was someone not taking the joke. We're seeing skin that had thinned to nothing. I mean, as she said, though, he laughed at first. So I think what we were really seeing is the rolling pin. <laughs> yeah. And more than anything, uh, just a heroic desire to bring back movie magic. Yes. Uh, it goes here. It just goes on and on. He goes, uh, still, Mr. Smith most likely saw his wife's pain. And it's possible he was himself experiencing a moment of fragility, of thin skin. In his memoir, Will... The actor writes about the guilt he felt because as a child, he could not protect his mother from his father's abuse. Mr. Rock's job was not in any, in any way the same thing as domestic violence, but I can see how Mr. Smith might not have been able to take that joke at his, wife at his wife's expense, given the layers of context and public and private histories leading into that evening. Okay, so yeah, he's just mentally unbalanced. Uh, so yeah, like just don't, don't make jokes about the mentally ill because they could snap at any moment. Uh, by the way, I was like... I saw a clip that was like during this like Oscars round table where like it was like for Vanity Fair, Hollywood Reporter or something. They do these like round tables. They bring in all these like esteemed actors and they have like a little little convo, a little coffee clatch or whatever. And it was a clip someone was sharing just about like Will, what's going on in Will Smith's brain. And he was telling an anecdote about like the first time a girl cheated on him. And he was like, I vowed to myself that I, that I would never let that happen again. And I would never let it happen again by becoming the world's biggest actor. Mission and achieved. <laughs> <laughs> it never happened ever again. No one ever found out about it. And it's funny. It's like because Michael Caine was sitting at the table with him. And if you find the clip, you can see Michael Caine's reaction to that after Will Smith said it. And it is the look on his face is so funny because I, I just I love the contrast between British and American actors where it's like the, the Brits, they understand it's just a job. They're pros. They show up. They say their lines. They do their thing. He goes, Master Wayne, I'm not going to I'm not going to bury another Batman. And then he goes home. He's not still crying about fucking Batman. But like the American actors, they just get so in. It's, it's this method acting thing. Everyone wants to be Brando. And it's just they're all so in their own heads that like they, they don't know where the they, they, they really don't know where like the, the, the acting begins and ends. And yeah, uh, but that's why like a, a British actor will never be Morbius. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> you gotta admit that it's yeah. They couldn't dig deep enough. Yeah. Did you have you ever heard the thing? Um, it was a Michael Caine interview I heard like it's a while ago. It's like 15 years ago, but it was on NPR. And I always like Michael Caine interviews. I think everyone likes him. Oh, he's great. But he's awesome. But like he was like, 
Uh, he was talking about how he had to hide being an actor from his dad. And he's like, my dad thought if my dad thought if a man ate chicken, he was gay. So I couldn't tell him I was an actor. <laughs> That's like a, a Richard Burton on the Dick Cavett show. And he was talking about he was from a brother. He was the, the youngest of nine brothers who were all Welsh coal miners. And he was like, Jesus. yeah, all I wanted to do in my life was be a coal miner. And they were like, what? Not not not, not a world famous actor who's married to a Liz, uh, Liz Taylor. And he was like, no. The number one thing every every kid in my town wanted to be was a coal miner. That was the coolest thing in the world. Fuck the Academy Awards. It was God. I mean, it's never going to happen again. Like working class and origin actors. No, not even among British That's people. Sad. Like, they're, all, they're all kids. Yeah. They're all, they all grew up in castles now. Like yeah. all, all those fucking British actors now. All the young ones. The entire cast of Game of Thrones and everything. Like all their grandparents invented the black and tans and shit. <laughs> I mean, Cara Delevingne's grandfather literally did. But yes, that is true. Yeah. Oh my God! Did it you sucks. see her partying with swag swagged out Eric Adams? <laughs> yeah. At, at ASAP Rocky at the party for a credit card that you can use to pay rent. <laughs> no, see, no way that could go wrong. <laughs> That's the most evil idea it's I've a ever solution. heard. Finally, Especially somebody. <laughs> we're always complaining about problem. Oh, rent's too damn high. Oh, do you have a solution? Oh, rent control. Wah, building public housing. No. Credit cards Put to pay your rent with. Easy credit. Boom. Easy the, credit. The best part, it's by Wells Fargo, who's never had any problem with <laughs> residential-related banking. <laughs> oh, God. All right, going on. Uh, Roxanne writes, I am trying to hold space for all those layers. Ms. Pinkett Smith's <laughs> exhaustion with being a target of humor, Mr. Smith's series of bad decisions, and Mr. Rock's trying to maintain his composure in the immediate aftermath of being That's a lot of space. Of Where the hell is she holding of... all this space? God damn it. Uh, it's, like when you, it's like when you're waiting for people at the movie theater and you put like four coats next to you. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, people are going to be like, come on, dude. That's... That's too many seats. <laughs> Unfortunately, the incident has become something of a. I mean, like, thing is, I'm only holding space for movies. Here. I'm only holding space for Mr. Smith and his and his bold act, like like Mishima saying to the defense ministry. <laughs> <laughs> another another proudly heterosexual man who just you know wanted to defend the honor of the Emperor of Japan, it, or or Miss Pinkett Smith. Um, <laughs> He goes, uh, unfortunately, the incident has become something of a Rorschach test onto which people project their backgrounds, opinions, and affinities. And what gets lost in the discourse is that however disapp disappointing the incident was, it was also a rare moment when a black woman was publicly defended. We are also witnessed an example last week of a woman forced to wear incredibly thick skin as she was left largely undefended. During Judge Katanji Brown, uh, Katanji Brown Jackson's confirmation hearings for the Supreme Court, the distinguished jurists endured all manner of insult, racism, and misogyny from Republican senators asking ludicrous questions that were really opportunities for grandstanding. Judge Jackson was applauded in many circles for her calm and composure. For many black women, it was a painful spectacle because we know what it is like to experience that kind of scrutiny, interrogation, and disrespect in personal and professional settings. We know what it's like to withstand scrutiny without intervention. We understood that the only way forward for Judge Jackson was to remain composed, stoic, and pervious. We also noted that other than Senator Cory Booker, Democrats failed to... God, Will Smith, Cory Booker, these guys just love defending women. <laughs> Democrats failed to protect... Part of their, their general presidents. love for them. And, and yeah. Democrats failed to protect their president's nominee. The Senate Judiciary, Senate Judiciary Committee apparently valued decorum over Judge Jackson's dignity. Look, okay, so if she's saying that 
that Dick Durbin should have done a diamond cutter on Lindsey Graham, I 100% agree. Yeah. Like and just walked like, over and just drop kicked him. Yes, that would have been awesome. And if you are, you know, if you are, if you, if you are like, if I, you know, if I was just Brown, like, yeah, like whatever distinguished career you've had, like, yes, it would be a fucking nightmare to sit there and be talked down to by the most ignorant pigs on the planet. But in exchange for going through that ordeal, you get a lifetime appointment to the Supreme Court, which by all accounts, she is going to receive. Uh, also, one is a Supreme Court uh, confirmation hearing. The other is a bit at uh, the Oscars. And those are not the, <laughs> they're not the same thing. No, I know really I know everything is just blobbed into one thing. It's just content. It's just the stuff you watch and react to with your lizard brain. But like there are actual Meaningful distinctions between these two events. Uh, Thick Skin was also on display at the 2022 Critics' Choice Awards when the director, Jane Campion, made the bizarre claim that the tennis stars Venus and Serena Williams do not play against the guys like I have to. Whatever led to that strange, unnecessary, and incorrect claim, Ms. Campion clearly had not I mean, it, her remarks. I mean, it seems like it is correct. I mean, yeah, it is correct. I mean, it is correct. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, whatever. Like, they, they, I guess they were in attendance. And it was a joke that landed awkwardly. It, it seemed seemed like it was a little bit. Overplayed, I think she should but, be you know. killed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think she should, we be, should kill her. She should yeah, be no. strapped to the muzzle of a cannon. Yeah, she should be strapped to the muzzle of one of those gu- the things that fire tennis balls. Yeah, I under <laughs> I understand that like a lot of jokes don't land, and it was like in the spirit of fun, and she respects the Williams sisters. But I kind of think she should be put in an Iron Maiden. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I think. She should be gibbeted. And they should hang her body over the red carpet to get into the Kodak yeah. theater as a warning to others. I'm trying to hold space for her as like a 74-year-old woman who made an awkward joke, but also the Williams sisters. And she needs to die. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm holding a space for her. That space, the black hole of Calcutta. <laughs> That's where she should be put. Time to die, movie bitch. <laughs> It's my space. When she when she won Best Director, they should just wheel out the Iron Maiden that she's currently <laughs> side of, and it's shaped like an Oscar. I just want to thank all my collaborators, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Kirsten Dunst, and uh, could you let me out of this? The, the spikes are digging into my flesh. No dice. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but yeah. Um, as cameras panned over to them, the Williams sisters smiled quizzically and maintained their composure. In the aftermath, Ms. Campion apologized the next day. They were gracious beyond measure. Their thick skin held up as it had in the face of myriad unspeakable insults and as it will many times to come. It shouldn't be this way. Yes, these are all public figures. Oh, really? No shit. Um, an imperviousness to criticism and ridicule is a necessity for celebrities or anyone in the public eye. But no matter how thick your skin is or how much wealth and fame and power you are cosseted, being the butt of a joke isn't fun. Yeah, see, that's the thing, though. Um, yes, being the butt of a joke is never fun. But when you have an insane level of uh, wealth, power, and celebrity, it does kind of offset your bad feelings about it. You'd think. Because at the end of the day, you are going home to sleep on a giant bed of money. Well, see, that's just it, is that so much uh, cultural commentary now seems to exist to just uh, collapse distinctions, meaningful distinctions, so that things like wild disparities of influence and power are completely obliterated. And, and we're all just people with hurt feelings as if like there's no trade off involved in that or like that there is any difference between what happens to somebody who's, you know, uh, on the edge of poverty and, and struggling versus somebody who is. The, the literally the most blessed human to ever live on earth. And that maybe 
be part of being the most blessed human to ever live on earth is that those things that might, you know, be the last straw for someone who's really struggling, maybe the very fact that you're that goddamn lucky will give you the, the ability to absorb a little bit better. And like, no, you like, know what if- even asking that is, is doing violence. And, and, and like, that's the thing was like, you know, like why have movies lost their, their cultural power? Why has celebrity lost its cultural power? Why, like, why has the glamour of celebrity been dinged so badly over the last, certainly through over COVID? Once you started seeing these assholes on Zoom, it was all over for them. It was all over for them. But here's the thing. It's like, to get it back, we need to understand that, like, in exchange for celebrity, if you become a celebrity, if you become worshipped, if you become a demigod on this planet... The price that you pay for that is basically entering into Shirley Jackson's The Lottery. Mm. And that, like, you know, at some point, if, you, if, you're, if your rock gets pulled, no, sorry, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> yes, you will, be, you will be pelted with stones until you're dead. But you uh, won't d- even be dead. Yeah, That's you'll the thing. Yeah, you'll it's be like fine. it's Shirley Jackson's The Lottery if they were made of Nerf. If, but except, Shirley Jackson's The Lottery, except instead of throwing stones, they were throwing jokes at you. Yeah. Like you, yeah, you, it's like, oh, uh oh, you got to go to the town hall. They're just going to, they're, they're going to absolutely be rinsing your ass in the quote tweets. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. What a horrifying dystopic world. So yes, being the butt of a joke isn't fun. Sometimes it is intolerable. Now, is it really, is it Come really on. intolerable? Is it really intolerable when you are constantly the target of jokes, insults, incivility, and worse, as most black women are, the skin we've spent a lifetime thickening can come apart. We're only human, and so too are the people who love us. So there we go. That's, that's the... And it's just like... I, I, this just seems to me like, you know, like, oh, like, uh, like if, it, just justifying, like, if you feel insulted, then you can do whatever you want to someone else. Yeah. Like, there, there are no standards of, like, a public decorum or behavior that should be enforced at all anymore if you feel that you've been intolerably insulted. So, yes, Matt, you're right. Let's just bring back dueling because, you exactly. know what? It's, that would it's keep the, the comedians in check. That would keep the, the bad jokes in check if people thought they yep. could have to, you know, uh, get shot over it. But, no, you know. we have to bring back the code duello. It's the only solution. But like, but and honestly, it's part of everything. Like, everything we, honestly, it's all part of the same general trend of there is no longer any trust in uh institutions or overarching structures uh of culture which mean that we're all basically back to our own resources so we got to create our own uh disney alternatives to watch to show our homeschooled kids uh and we need to have our own ability to assert satisfaction for all uh social wrongs because we can't trust anyone else to do it it's sort of like you could have you can have one or the other you can have a like a a broad standard for like public behavior in civic life that prizes free speech and um non-violence that like you cannot do violence to someone for basically any reason unless of matters of extreme self-defense or you can have one where comedians are held to account but you Mm -hmm. can't have that be carried out non-violently no you have to either embrace personal codes of honor which are mediated by the threat of violence or you can have a a broad civic culture that depends on a certain accepted standard of non-violence and taking a joke yeah or at least just being being offended but 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 you know talking it out instead of yeah. um smacking the shit out of someone yeah but you know i mean like look b- both are up for grabs i'm not i'm not I'm not saying one is inherently better than the other. Yeah. I mean, I know which one I'd prefer, but. Yeah, absolutely. Know. Let's get strapped. <laughs> <laughs> if you do a bad reply to me, your ass is putting the fucking beam on you. I had a friend, I had a friend once who uh, like 
grew up in Egypt and he told me that like Yemenis were cool because they just in Yemen, not when they're like outside of Yemen, but like in Yemen, it's a normal thing to walk around with a huge dagger that has your family's like crest on it. And like, I don't know if that's true or not. He was a really funny guy and I don't think he would lie. He was, he was a good guy. He was a doctor actually, but um, maybe we should start doing that. Like Will Smith can walk around with the Smith family crest and challenge people to dagger fights over this. But as long as, as long as it's institutionalized, you know, you have to go to dagger court. You can't just like go up on stage and hit someone or kill them with a dagger. Yeah. Let's bring the jobs back into dagger court. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Uh, movie magic, um, perhaps resuscitated, you know, like it's, it's, it's on the operating table right now. The paddles are out. Will Smith applied, he applied a charge clear and then whack across Chris Rock's face. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what Morbius does. Yeah. We'll, we'll see, see if we'll Morbius see. can come with the heat. He could like M- do movies, the, do the adrenaline needle injection. Movies. Come on, the Morbius. Living, the living vampire. The living vampire. Help us, Morbius. You're our only hope. All right, gentlemen, uh, before we leave today, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say some thank yous and shout outs to some lovely people who uh, aided us on our great campaign in the South, beginning with Kelly Flynn O'Brien for taking us out to an excellent Korean barbecue restaurant in Charlotte. Kelly is, of course, Molly's sister. And you may think Korean barbecue. I love it. No, it's not Korean barbecue. It's American barbecue infused with Korean flavors. Next up, uh, Morgan in Atlanta for being our sort of uh, rave Sherpa. Because, you know, when you're at a rave, you need a guide. And Morgan was that guide for us. He, he, he escorted us up Dubstep Mountain. And we reached the summit safely and without uh, a single problem. So, Morgan, thank you very much for being our rave Sherpa in Atlanta. Uh, next up, uh, Emma. Hyenas and Jin on Twitter for being our wonderful tour guide to the Atlanta Zoo. Uh, you saw the pictures. She arranged a meeting between us and an elephant. For that, I will be eternally grateful to her. Uh, check her out, Hyenas and Jin on Twitter. Uh, next up, shout out to our good friends in the Nashville DSA for taking us out to Santa's Pub. And special shout out to Sean Parker, Tennessee's only ever socialist elected to any position for just simply hanging out with us at Santa's Pub. Next up, uh, Scott Rigel in Austin for taking us to the Speakeasy Bar, which I have to say, and shout out to the proprietors of the Speakeasy Bar. I will not (laughs) say anything more than that it's a Speakeasy Bar. I certainly won't give the address because it is 1,000% illegal. But I will say it was probably the best bar experience I've ever had in my life. Uh, Next up, John Carlton, Archetype on Twitter for giving us his amazing guided walking and driving JFK tour in Dallas. You're a wonderful tour guide, sir. Uh, knowledgeable and personable to the extreme. Uh, we learned a lot from you, and thank you once again to you, uh, to Pat Hall for uh, inviting us into her Oswald Rooming House Museum. That was one of the coolest things we got to do on tour. Shout out to Pat, and shout out to John for our tour around Dallas. Uh, next up, uh, thanks to uh, Kirsten in Houston. I uh, don't think we actually met you, but you emailed us a list of excellent recommendations, including... Uh, La Carafe, the oldest bar in Houston, dating back to the 1860s. 
the original Kalachi shop, uh, Glenwood Cemetery, where Howard Hughes is buried, and the House of Pies. Uh, we had a brief time in Houston, but those were all excellent recommendations. And last but not least, thanks to Andre at Cajun's Karaoke Bar in New Orleans for showing us a great time. He's there on Friday and Saturday nights. That's Cajun's Karaoke Bar in New Orleans. If you'd like a great karaoke experience, tell him Chapo sent you. And of course, finally, thanks to Jacques for, once again, just showing us the best that New Orleans has to offer. Thanks to everyone that we got a chance to meet on tour. It feels great to be back at home. Um, but yeah, thanks to everyone who came out and saw us, everyone we got a chance to meet. Uh, it was a great time. Uh, I, had, I had just such an amazing time on tour. And it was thanks largely to uh, fans like you who reached out and you know provided us with some truly unique experiences. All right. Until next time. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Cheers, everybody. Bye.